You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This is episode number 375. We're discussing the Marvels. I'm your host for this evening, and you know what, guys? Because this is an MCU film, this is a big review. This is our last MCU film for almost a year until Deadpool, which is pretty wild when you can say that out loud. I had to bring in a special guest because our boy Ian could not make the record because of daylight savings time. It's a bit of a pain in the ass, but what that allows us to do is have a good friend drop into the nerd room to talk about some mcu content to talk about the marvels i've got from the vigilante 1939 podcast my good friend zeddy brother how are you doing oh daylight savings time the, the, <laughs> the greatest time the greatest <laughs> villain of us all i'm it happy is, to true. be here brother i'm doing I'm doing great i was gonna say marvelous but that might be a little too on the nose but you know what? I'm all I'm all about for lay on the nose puns, but I'm glad to have you here to talk Happy about to this movie. This is our last MCU movie of 2023, and wow. the last time we're gonna get multiple MCU movies inside of yeah. a year, at least for a little while. I think the most recent news has a lot of the Marvel movies being pushed way out to the point where we only have Deadpool in 2024 with the Captain America 4 movie, Mm -hmm. with the Thunderbolts, and all that being pushed to 2025. So we're seeing a little bit of a slight being wiped clean of some of the releases and a bit of a pause. And it's going to be interesting to hear your thoughts and my thoughts on this as to if it's the Marvels, if it is the way the MCU is trending, Mm -hmm. and what is really going on with some of that. But before we get into any of that, my friend, we have to talk about the debut of the Marvels. This is a ensemble film, I think, holistically here. It is technically a follow-up to the Captain Marvel movie, which came out in between Infinity War and Endgame in 2019. It is set in what is the MCU present day. It is happening well after the events of Endgame and the appearances of, what is it, Camilla Khan in her movie, as well as Monica Rambeau from the what was WandaVision? WandaVision was the last time we saw her yeah was that was the last time we saw her or do we see her in Secret Invasion was she in Secret Invasion I don't think so I can't remember I didn't watch Anyways. Secret Invasion but I <laughs> sorry I, I want to say she was just in WandaVision though I think so I feel like she appeared somewhere else but I yeah, might be completely probably. off by rocker on this one but that does go to show you guys that this film has a lot of pieces that are folding into the main plot with several TV shows I guess you could really say WandaVision, Secret Invasion with Nick Fury and the Skrulls. You've got Miss Marvel, the TV show from Disney+, Plus, Captain Marvel, plus all the Avengers baggage that are folding into this. So there's a lot of story and a lot of dependence on external events and external shows that are actually bleeding into the overall narrative of this. And that's something that I want us to talk a little bit about down the road here or down our conversation to see how much that is potentially impacting what happened with the box office. But Zeddy, before we we really get into any more of the details, I'd really like to hear your general thoughts. This mm-hmm. is a bit of a tradition in the nerd room. It's just kind of uncorking the pressure a little bit to talk about the general thoughts and feelings of this. And we're going to go full spoilers on this, guys. So Zeddy, do not hold back <laughs> if there's things you want to talk about in a bit more depth at this kind of initial stage of the conversation. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, of course, I always like to start off with, you know, positives, you know, versus, versus negatives. I always try to go into a film open-minded because uh, I was somebody that, you know, a lot of the anticipation and, you know, the hype in this movie was like, it was like on a pendulum. Like, you know, it kind of started off like everybody was excited to see, you know, Brie Larson back in the role to see a fresh take on on an MCU film, Amon Vellani back as, you know, Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel. So it, it had a lot of things going for it. I am somebody that, you know, didn't particularly enjoy the first Captain Marvel. It's kind of like in my bottom lower tier of MCU ranking, but, you know, to each their own. If you love that movie, to each your own. Um, I haven't found Brie Larson particularly likable up until this point. Uh, but, again, that's not to say that I wasn't so excited to see her appearance in this movie. So that being said, I actually enjoyed this movie. And I enjoyed it more than I thought I would because I didn't think it was the whole Frankenstein's monster that everybody was making it out to be. I mean, mm-hmm. like, is it a great movie? I wouldn't necessarily say that, but is there enjoyable parts in this movie? Yeah, there is. I think the chemistry between the three leads is, is uh, incredible. Uh, walking charisma herself, as I call her, Kamala Khan, Amon Vellani, mm, yes. uh, stole the show from me, as, as I assumed she would. Uh, Tiana Perez has some great moments and arguably the biggest setup of the whole movie um, at the end. So very excited to see that. But it feels like there's parts of this movie that are missing. I don't think the plot really does the characters justice. Uh, What's funny to me is I wish the movie was almost longer and I'm usually a stickler for run times. Uh, But that's again, because I feel like there's so much underdeveloped. You know, I think there's a, a massive villain problem just in general in these comic book movies. I wouldn't say it's an MCU thing. I think it's a comic book movie thing in general where the villains just aren't, maybe aren't as interesting. They're not as developed as they could be. Uh, So that kind of had it going for it. But my main takeaway for me is that I actually walked away liking Captain Marvel and liking Brie Larson in the role. And I do think that this was the best material uh, that Brie Larson has been given as the character up until this point. So not not a dumpster fire. Wouldn't wouldn't go that far. It's definitely enjoyable, uh, but I would maybe temper your expectations just a little bit. That's how I would go mm. for it. What, how about you? What a what a very Zeddy balanced approach <laughs> answer to all of that. That you had a little bit of everything yeah. inside of that. I love, I love just that take. I'm gonna stretch this out. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna find some positives and maybe some negatives in there. You know what, man? We we had yesterday off up here. Well, some people up here in Canada for it's kind of the follow on from Remembrance Day, mm-hmm. uh, or I guess your Veterans Day sort of similarity. And so my wife and I we said, okay, the kids are at school. We had the day off. Her and I went and saw the Marvels. I said, look, you haven't seen anything. This is a bit of a litmus test for me too. Mm-hmm. So I had a little, little bit of a, a ulterior motive, if you will, to this one. I said, do you want to go see the Marvels? She said, what's the Marvels? And I said, oh, it's got these characters. You remember, she watched up to Endgame and then basically stopped. Mm-hmm. WandaVision, Loki season one, that was it. So she has not been plugged in for the last couple of years into the MCU at all. And I, she watched a trailer and she's like, okay, cool. Like, let's go see this. And I explained very minimal to her. And so I want to give her perspective first. So I said to her, right after the movie ended, right after the end credits scene, she didn't really get that. But I said... <laughs> What did you think? She said, it was great. I had a lot of fun with it. I love the the trio, the ensemble of the, the three women. She loved Miss Marvel. She really enjoyed Captain Marvel herself. Mm-hmm. And and Monica Rambeau, she, she really thought she was a standard as well. So she enjoyed the film. She had fun with it. She was smiling. She had some good chuckles with particularly the chemistry interaction 
between our trio of leads here. Mm -hmm. So overall, coming from what I would say and what I sometimes call the MCU periphery, someone that is not technically plugged in, but gets a lot of the the waves coming off of me when I have excitement or I need to talk to someone and you guys just aren't around. <laughs> so she she enjoyed it. And for mm-hmm. myself, I will say, I didn't really have a ton of expectations going to this one way or another. This is a, a the third movie in this, this year, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I've enjoyed kind of everything. You know, I'm a bit of an easy lay when it comes to the MCU. And it is the franchise that I, I've grown really to love and I'm so heavily invested in. And I got to say, this one here for me was a really great time. Is it the best movie of all time? No. Was it intended to be that? Absolutely not. It is exactly what it needs to be. And it really progresses three great characters, I think, in the MCU and elevates all three of them at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the villain is... I'm going to use a weird pun here, a necessary evil. It is someone to punch. It is someone to basically create a foil for these three to experiment, to have a progression, to to really go after something and get some punchy, punchy action stuff up there. Yeah, the villain isn't great in this, but I don't think it distracts from the film at all. I think there's more they could have done, yes, in that short runtime, but they gave everything they need to do and they highlighted the three the three leads in this the story overall it's bright it's fun there's some laughs in there you have some weird stuff with nick fury it feels really much very much connected to the mcu which i loved because it pulls in a lot of different elements the kree the scroll nick fury sword or saber not sword Mm -hmm. is it sword or saber i can't remember sword sword (laughs) sword okay (laughs) it pulls in a lot of cool space elements and if i'm being honest with you it did have a weird Guardians of the Galaxy sort of color palette musical vibe to it, and it had some weird Taika Waititi tendencies in it as well. Mm. And so those pieces I really enjoyed. So overall, for me, Cap or Miss, I keep saying I got them all mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Miss Marvel trying to give names to everybody. <laughs> but overall, it was a ton of fun and a great entry to cap off 2023 in the MCU. And it's, it's really unfortunate that mm. more people aren't going to see this until likely it hits Disney+. Plus. I think it's one of those ones that people will punch on on Disney+, Plus and say, oh, wow, that was I had a really great time with that one. <laughs> so that, that's kind of my general thoughts there. I really enjoyed it, and I thought it was a great entry into the MCU. So let, let's, let's, let's continue on some of those threads, Zeddy, that you, you, pulled, you pulled here. And let's talk about the tree, our, our three leads here. And I'm, I'm a bit interested in... What changed for you throughout the course of this movie with regards to Captain Marvel? Because I would agree, she's she's had some of the stiffer work to do yeah. inside of the MCU. And I would chalk some of that up to writing in the past and situations that she's been put in as being this very, very powerful individual and not having any vulnerabilities. I think in this movie, Captain Marvel finally has some vulnerabilities when it comes to that emotional connection to Monica. And I think that really does a lot for her character in this. So what is it about Captain Marvel for you that allowed you to kind of make a little bit of a progression inside of, or with your personal take or I guess liking to the character? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like watching the movie, it's actually quite fascinating to me how much they actually try to, I want to say maybe Rackheim, but like really walk back a lot of like what happens in that first Captain Marvel movie, right? Like 
There's even like that one scene where it's like, you know, there's almost there's a reason why she is so cold and distant and maybe not quite as likable in her own movie. Like they really like there's one scene in particular where she like destroys almost something entirely. And then like that's like the reason why, you know, she kind of is the way she is. So it's almost like they try to like walk back. Mm-hmm. Avenue from that first movie will show you that, you know, she is the way she is for a particular reason. And here's just more vibrant, upbeat, likable persona of Captain Marvel. And I don't like, I mean, nothing, none of this has really been Brie Larson's fault. I think she's an incredible actress, Academy Award uh, winning actress, I should say. So it's not like she doesn't have the chops to really play this character. I just think that it's been unfortunate that, you know, prior to Endgame, we really haven't seen her all that much. So a lot of time has actually passed. So in terms of an actual connection to the character, I could see why it was kind of hard for just a mm-hmm. random general audience member to go into this movie and say, let's see Captain Marvel again. Well, it's been almost five years. So, right? Like, it's not like Spider-Man, who you've seen before. It's not like some of these other characters that have been in and out of the MCU for quite some time. Uh, but for me, you know, to kind of use, like, the, the good old wrestling layman turns, you know, she got the rub, I would say. In terms of that, you know, she has two characters that are full of high energy and charisma, you know, in Iman Vellani and Tayana Paris, uh, you know, Monica Rambeau and uh, Kamala Khan, I should say, because um, they're just so likable characters themselves. Yeah. So I think that it's the idea of when you place a character with, next to two other likable characters, kind of just it's the energy and the vibe that has instantly kind of just changed mm-hmm. altogether. And you know what? Maybe that's what this Captain Marvel character has always needed. You know, maybe she's not a character that works well on her own. Maybe she just needs a good supporting cast around her. That's that's no, you know, testament to her. Maybe there's just characters that are like that in comics, you know, in general. So yeah, um, maybe that's just who the character is. Like maybe she just doesn't need to be on her own. Just place her with like some more likable characters because they do do some stuff where it's like all of a sudden she's cool with Valkyrie, right? Where it's like outside of a thirty second clip in Avengers Endgame, how would you really know that she was cool with Valkyrie? right mm-hmm. so there's there's almost like some some missing pieces here which, which is fine um so in other words to me it's just the idea of they just play super characters that are likable yeah. to me and but that I, just made her likable yeah and i think they give brie larson more room to move inside of this when it comes to the acting it's not about being like a militant it's not about being stiff or in line it mm-hmm. it's really like you said, that rub that she gets, particularly from Miss Marvel, I think, mm-hmm. that allows her to be a little bit looser. And they even do, there's this almost meta moment where she reintroduces herself mm-hmm. to Camilla Khan after having this abrupt and maybe abrasive first interaction with her. And like, to me, that that's very, like, it's a, it's a bit meta, but like, it kind of speaks to what you're saying mm-hmm. is like, it's almost a reintroduction of the character to the audience into what I agree is a much more, I think relatable and likable character. And the thing, like I was saying before about the vulnerabilities, she's always been just so you can't hurt me. Mm-hmm. Like Thanos headbutts her. She does all this stuff in Endgame. It's and even some of the the roles that she had in some post credit scenes and all, it's very very stiff. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, there there's oh, I feel lonely out here by myself. I you know she just has a hard time with with individual or with the three of them at the start there's this deep rooted pain from her leaving monica and that relation develops very quickly and so there's there's a lot of emotion there's a lot of character development inside of this and like you said it's really the most that she gets in the entirety of the mcu 
in throughout the runtime of the Marvels. And like I think it really elevates her character. Mm-hmm. And so Miss Marvel, we, we talked about here a few times. Yeah. Her show was great. I that was one of the few shows that I've actually watched with my eldest daughter and she really enjoyed it. She loved Camilla Khan and kind of seeing herself through a younger woman or younger girl inside of the MCU. That did wonders for her. And she translates that same fangirl energy mm-hmm. right up onto the screen. And it is palpable. Like, she is the star of this film. And you can see, we can go into the, I guess, the little postcard, why they're kind of pushing her to the forefront of the Young Avengers, too. Like, she oozes charisma in this movie and continues to do so, I think, or will continue to do so into the Young Avengers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's... Uh, that's really interesting too, because I I wasn't actually expecting that too. Which again, to your credit, shows how much faith they have in the Miss Marvel character. The fact mm. that they're going to choose her to be in a post credit scene with Haley Steinfeld, you know, Kate Bishop, which I thought was awesome. It's so uh, good. It's a cool like to see in and of itself. I mean, even like the one line where she's like, "I'm 23," which is like, "I'm just recruiting a team." Like I need, yeah. Like it's almost like, remember, I'm older than you, sort of thing, right? Just because like it shows how young. Kamala Khan is too, but the one thing that I wanted to actually address too, because I'm not sure if you felt this way too, because I saw a lot of the criticisms with the Miss Marvel character in this movie was the fact that people felt that she was fangirling too hard or too much, and I'm like, yeah, but then again, you watch a movie like Spider-Man: Homecoming, and really Tom Holland's Peter Parker is essentially fanboying over Iron Man almost all, all the you know half of all the scenes that Tony Stark's in that movie, so. Not that I'm trying to compare, you know, apples and apples or apples to oranges. Uh, but I would just say that it's kind of a relatable thing that they tend to do. And for the mm-hmm. most part, it does work. I just, for me, it didn't bother me. I don't know if, if I don't know if you felt the same way. Absolutely not. Like I thought, I thought it was endearing to be honest with you. And it does show in a similar fashion. If I can go back to the comparison, my daughter watching it, she's fangirling for Miss Marvel in the same way Miss Marvel, Marvel, Camilla Khan is fangirling for for Captain Marvel. Everyone mm-hmm. has a hero, right? Right. And, and at that age, it's you're you're supposed to. And mm-hmm. in that world where you have all these superheroes flying around, I think it's awesome. And it drew me to her. The fact that she was so excited to meet her hero. Like if yeah. anyone's ever met their literal hero, like there's people that meet wrestlers the people that meet this that are absolutely speechless. Mm-hmm. And so like this isn't like a, a foreign thing, I don't think, or something that's just made up for this movie. Mm-hmm. Like I think like I genuinely feel that way. And. And the actress, uh, she she's like that for the MCU. Like yeah. she was posting stuff about like her emailing Kevin Feige all the time about <laughs> yeah. it, there be, this being Earth six one six, and actually that's the comic book. And so like I think this is like genuinely who she is. Yeah. Like she's she's awesome. She and is awesome. I are... really dig the yeah. the fangirling stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. So it's like that. That's why I was a little bit confused because I mean, it's, again, like no character's perfect, but um, for me, I thought again, I thought she elevated. Captain Marvel, which maybe was her role altogether, which is fine. I mean, mm-hmm. again, but she she served her purpose, and I thought she served it quite well. I mean, she is at the crux of the movie, essentially, right? I mean, the movie itself is that she has something that the villain needs, mm-hmm. and the idea is that we need to protect Miss Marvel so the villain doesn't get the other half of what the villain needs. So I thought it was interesting in that regard, and then when she gets fully powered and everything like that, and she's at really she's at the crux of the heart of the final battle. Um, which yeah. which was cool to see. So again, it's almost like the, you know you're seeing a progression in the character and how much faith that they have in her, in the sense that now she's essentially going to be one of the stables of the MCU. 
mm-hmm. uh, to come. So it's almost like, you know, they had to do what they had to do for a specific reason. Yeah. Well, and like the big progression for, for Camilla Khan in this is her power set mm-hmm. and showcasing that power set. What can she do? If she's going to be part, a co-leader or a leader or at the forefront of the Young Avengers, she has to be able to demonstrate that she has a power set that can compete with some of the villains that they will go up against. Mm-hmm. And so, although I think Camilla Khan, the character is very similar to what you get in the TV show, yeah. and she has that opportunity to to get into a much bigger environment and go shoulder to shoulder with Captain Marvel and, and kind of fight in a bigger villain sense, but they show a lot of, actually all of them, specifically, I guess, Monica Rambeau and, and Camilla Khan, they really show how their power sets are elevating. Mm-hmm. So they grow those characters a lot and show you a lot of their power sets, which I think is the big progression for, for Camilla Khan in this. Now, Monica Rambeau, we saw her all the way back in 2019, as well as in WandaVision, where she does get her power set. So this has been seeded for quite some time that this was coming. Mm-hmm. Another standout, I think, inside of this. All three of them are in their own ways, but but Monica, she she really amps up her power set in this, and, and she does a really great job pulling more to Brie Larson and the Captain Marvel character. Like, there's a lot happening in this movie when you look at the three of them. But they all have their standout moments. And they all have their time to shine inside of this. So what did you think of Monica Rambeau in this one? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Tayona Paris is, is, is great as, as Monica Rambeau. I, I think she added, you know, a big energy, you know, to the film that, you know, that the film desperately needed. I think her action scenes were great. Uh, seeing mm-hmm. her power set, you know, continue to develop in the film to the point where she goes maximum power at, at the end. So that was that mm-hmm. was cool how they kind of set that up in the end and she's ultimately the one that makes the sacrifice in the end again i think how i would describe her is kind of like her role in wandavision in a sense she's kind of like a plot device character yeah in terms of that you know she's needed for a very specific reason that's you know to get from point a to point b you know she's there to obviously establish that you know she wants to make captain marvel realize that you know she wants the relationship with that to be better. And then you kind of got the the ongoing threads with her and her mom, which they talk about almost endlessly. So you had to know that that was going somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to the point that she does. So then to the point where, you know, she makes the sacrifice, spoiler alert, at the yes. end um, to ultimately get lost in, you know, time and space itself. And then we, we get that very, very cool post credit scene, which I'm sure you're going to tease up. So I won't do that. Just well, let's, yet, let's, but... let's go. Let's go right into it. Let's let's expand a bit sure. on on the comments about her mother, yeah. Maria Rambo from the 2019 Captain Marvel set in the 90s, who in it is in WandaVision. I think this is they make reference to this and they actually show some of this inside of the Marvel's movie where she wakes up after or she's uh, on the other side of the blip. She comes yeah. back and her mother wasn't blipped and had passed away yeah. during this time. And that's where you get this very, very emotional scene, which is a super powerful scene when you step back the, the end credit scene when she wakes up and starts kind of frantically crying about her mother as she has been sucked into an alternate timeline, yeah. universe, reality, whatever you want to call it. And she's staring straight at her mother when she wakes up. So it was it was great that we had this sacrifice and we kind of all knew maybe where it was going but mm-hmm. at the end of the, the film i'm like oh wow i'm surprised that they kind of left that blank like that she just is gone and my wife is like where did she go and i said i'm assuming to a different timeline but i have no idea mm-hmm. and then we get whacked up in the face with this post credit scene not only revealing 
what is what's her mother's name not photon binary binary thank yeah. you not only revealing that she's an alternate timeline or universe and her mother's a superhero but then you get hank mccoy <laughs> beast for the first time we've really seen him like this inside like i was like i had no clue that this was the post credit scene oh, wow. like there was i had that was not spoiled for me I had not been on Twitter or anything nice. where I saw like hashtag X-Men or beast or some <laughs> shit like that. Didn't see anything. I walked into this completely blind nice. and jaw on the floor. Like this is probably the biggest post credit scene we've had in over a decade. I would say like, mm. this is humongous. Yes. We had Charles Xavier and the X-Men, I guess, technically present in Dr. Strange, and the multiverse and madness, but this one was just, I, I could not believe that this had happened. So talk to me about your reaction. It sounds like you was spoiled on it, were you? Yeah, I was. <laughs> oh, shoot. It. Uh, well, granted, I didn't see the scene itself beforehand. I saw, like, the mm. context of the scene. Like, I kind of figured that it was spoiled that Beast was ultimately, like, in the post credit scene. Because I saw, like, so many other pundits that replied out saying it, which was unfortunate. Um, and really? I think, and I think even marketing itself like kind of spoiled that there was like an x like to show like the x-men logo in the corner ah, of the computer and people oh, like no. zoomed in on it and it was all over the internet because of course it's the internet so um there was that but i mean the scene in itself i mean just to go back what you were saying about the blood because i do think that it's one of the more uh fascinating uh scenes that they've ever done as, as far mm -hmm. as the flip just shows that you know who knows if somebody was gone for five minutes five years or five months right and then you know to think that you can miss one minute with somebody and then the next minute you know they kind of just pop out of nowhere and it's almost like well how much time really passed so mm -hmm. that's always one of the things that i think the m2 kind of dropped the ball and that i wish they kind of did a little bit better was how they kind of address monica you know monica's relationship with her mom uh that being said ultra cool to see based cool to see kelsey grammar revise his role so it was i didn't i, I, I thought it was, it was him, but it is grammar. kelsey grammar right eh? Yeah, yeah he's, which he's, again, he's it's, it's, you know, it's like that thing that you brought up, uh, Professor X from Multiverse of Madness. It's like Kevin Feige's doing that thing where it's like you got to pay attention now, right? Yeah. It's like now you kind of see like what exactly they're going for, right? Like it's the Charles Xavier, you know, Patrick Stewart version. Here's Kelsey Grammer from the old X Men movies. Hugh Jackman's coming back. There's mm -hmm. other rumors of other X Men from that universe coming back. Uh, so it's like you kind of get a sense of like now this is what they're building up to. Um, I thought it was it was awesome in general just to be in the crowd because just to, you know, show exactly, you know, that Marvel did the right thing with this. This is the only post credit scene that I've been in that a crowd's actually had a strong reaction to because they know they almost know like like what's going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, not like not like Beast is really a prominent, you know member to showcase like you know it had it been like cyclops or wolverine something like that but you know he still signifies the x-men big time you know yeah. so i think like that's the one thing and that's like the hook that i think people have been missing was something to at least get like really excited for so i think that was that was really cool it was really smart even though you can say that that they kind of heavily relied on the post credit scene for hype almost like you know the henry cavill black adam thing which is fine i mean you know it is what it is um, but I, I just think that it, it's cool to see him, you know, a want to come back and do this role again and be to set up something as massive as was what we're thinking we're going to get, which is Deadpool three. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. How about yeah. you? 
Oh man, like like I said, blew me away. I saw this on Monday like afternoon, and I managed to get through the whole weekend and not have that spoiled. Nice. So like that was it was just such That's a treat great. for me <laughs> that I I was able to experience that in real time and have like a like a real reaction to it, which is somewhat rare in this era of smart fans where we kind of get everything spoiled to a degree. Mm-hmm. So I I just think. I, I, it's funny because you, you're you talking about Deadpool three there. That's not the first thing that crossed my mind. I, I was mm. thinking more of a like Secret Wars oh. sort of like that's the next time we're gonna see them in some capacity is when you have this like patchwork of universes come together yeah. and form some physical representation on a single planet that we're gonna get like this weird X Men or Fox X Men universe mm. that's bolted onto the side of this thing. But all of a sudden now you have Monica Rambeau inside of that that is kind of a bit of a link between all of it so there's going to be some commonality inside of these universes and she's going to be helping them try to figure out what's going on so it i think it sets up something really cool Mm -hmm. and it was also the first time in quite some time i felt like the post-credit scene lined up a bit with the movie Mm -hmm. but also was pointing towards something a bit bigger this this multiverse saga and things are starting to come together now that helps a little bit with the end of loki mm-hmm. season two and what kind of happened there and i just i felt very like excited about the tease of the this narrative that's finally starting to come together i think was a big thing i took away from it. and got like seeing the beast kelsey Grammer <laughs> inside of the mcu come on like 10 years ago if you had told our future selves that this is what was going to happen and this is where we're going to be at this point, we would have been flipping out. Like yeah. we, we, at one point we never thought the X-Men were going to show up I know. inside of the MCU. And now here we are having two of the major ones show up and Deadpool on what will eventually be a date to be released in 2024. Like yeah. it, it's really cool to see this, this finally coming together. Mm. Yeah, no, I think, I think we're, we're at a point where like, obviously we've seen that the MCU has kind of taken a few hits, you know, here and there. And now, you know, Kevin Feige's, I wouldn't say he's necessarily hitting the panic button per se, but he knows that now it's time to bring in the big guns. So to speak, Mm -hmm. what he means by big guns and that now he needs to sort of contextualize the greater Marvel cinematic universe. And what I mean by that is that he knows that what he did, you know, for over a decade, building up to the Avengers, doing Thanos, building up Loki, was all fun and cool. It was the right thing to do at the time. But now you got to start giving people more Spider-Man. They want to see the Fantastic Four. They want to see the X-Men. They want to see Deadpool, but, you know, in the in the MCU now, because now we've had him on his own. Now they want to see Deadpool in the MCU. So it's almost like now we're, we're, now we're getting to the point of what, what people want. I think mm-hmm. I'm not trying to say that I'm speaking for the general audience, but I'm saying that I think like you can sort of see like, you know, the guard is kind of changing a little bit. I think, this was the right thing to kind of sort of wheel everybody back in slowly then. You know, here's Beast. We saw Professor X. Hugh Jackman's going to be in Deadpool. You know, slowly kind of kind of weave the duds back in. I think I think it's the right call. It, it, it's such an interesting space the MCU is, is in right now. And I, I'm really looking forward to the next couple of years because for a long time, people wanted different, more. You got different and more. And now we're switching back to nostalgia from the early 2000s mm-hmm. is, is what we're getting. 
And so it's, it's kind of in this weird, interesting place of flux where Disney Plus has provided us with almost endless stories, introduced characters like Camilla Khan and Moon Knight and Kate Bishop and She-Hulk, characters we probably would have never seen on the big screen. Let, let's be honest yeah. here. Maybe Camilla Khan would have popped into this movie and maybe a few of these others, but mm-hmm. you've got all these pieces on the board now that you can kind of play with. And, you know, some will say that that maybe has bloated the MCU. It's overextended it a little bit. But when you see the characters being integrated, I think, properly back into the story, I think it really works. Mm -hmm. Like, did you feel, I guess it's hard for you to contextualize because you've kind of seen everything. But I I don't think people not seeing Miss Marvel is hindering the performance of Camilla Khan or the attachment to the character in this movie. Mm. I don't think not seeing WandaVision has hurts this at all. Like I've, I've commonly called these things supplemental pieces that add to it, but don't necessarily take away from it. Mm. And so you want to go see more of Camilla Khan? Hey, yeah, you go over to Disney+. Plus. You love this character? You go over and do that. You, you want to see more of Monica Rambeau? You can go over here and do that. Like I think that's really cool that that's available. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know where I was going with that point at the end of the no, day. No, you know what? But... That, that's um, <laughs> no. I actually think that that that's actually what I was thinking myself too. Is that it's it's there's this ongoing thing right now that a lot of the MCU feels like it's homework because so much of the Disney Plus era is trying to tie into the movies. So we're kind of going in this like ongoing thing where like whether or not the general audience even cares about what's happening right now, whether or not they even know, are they even watching what's going on in Disney Plus? Right, a lot of that kind of goes into our head and maybe we're giving the general audience too much credit. Maybe we're not giving them enough credit. Uh, but I think what it's boiling down to essentially is that it's not that a Disney plus show can't tie into a movie. I think it's the, uh, it's, it's the threads that you're showcasing in the actual show to the movie. Like mm-hmm. Kamala Khan, I think as a character works one way or the other, like I don't think you yeah. really have to watch Miss Marvel for her to be an interesting, relatable character that that you love in the marvels i think she's just one of those like likable personas that kind of sells itself too right so i think you know whereas something like monica lambeau's character is constantly addressing what happened in wandavision to her where it feels like a history lesson inside of a movie so somebody that maybe was might be a little confused in that regard but again as long as you're not like teasing a major a major thought like something in secret invasion you know that you're like hmm Okay, like I can roll with it. I don't know what's going on, but it's fine. You know, some, yeah. something like that. I I, th- I think is where you start to get into a little bit of trouble. It's it's such it's like again, it comes down to this idea that like I've tried, been trying to observe this and trying to take somewhat of an unbiased view, which is very difficult for me I to know. do. But I, I kind of almost look at some of this stuff as like it's just a different way of consuming films, and mm-hmm. there's been this expectation over the last couple of years that you unless if marvel is giving you all this content and you have to watch it that people aren't going to like the movies and all that which Mm -hmm. i'm kind of like gee it's like jumping in oh i just jumped into season four of yellowstone and i'm pretty pissed off that they didn't recap the previous three seasons tens of hours of content inside of the first couple of episodes of season one so or uh, season four so it's like people don't have a problem with tv shows that have hours of content Mm -hmm. In, in seasons and sometimes years between seasons and like there's not an issue there and so the, it's just the way that maybe we're consuming movies when it comes to like barbie 
and some of these other big movies, Oppenheimer and all this stuff. There's no baggage attached to that. But the success of the MCU was the baggage. Like, (laughs) that's what people bought into. Mm -hmm. That's the formula. And so I get some of the hesitation towards the homework of it all. But if you've ever watched a TV show, like, with 10 seasons, there's a ton of friggin' homework. Mm -hmm. Like, Lost, all those shows. Like, you can't jump in randomly into the middle of a story. It's the same with comic books. You can't jump into the middle of a comic book run and get and have the expectation that you're going to understand everything. It's just not going to happen. Mm. And so I, I'm a bit more, I, I guess my, my pushback on the shows and the homework and, oh, we needed to do this, this, and this. I don't get, it's like, I don't, I think that's, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? You can't jump into the third movie of a trilogy and expect to understand everything. Yeah. No, I, I think what they should scale back on essentially is if you're going to do a character like, say Moon Knight or She-Hulk and you don't really have any plans to maybe throw them in a movie or something like Mm -hmm. in the near distant future that's maybe what I shouldn't do because then by that point you know a few years have passed more stuff has come out now you gotta essentially reintroduce the character to a whole but they did that with Camilla Khan you know they basically they did like a three minute like intro in all the same style Mm -hmm. as the show with the comics the graphics this the drawing and all that which is pulled right out of the show and jumped in here and then you never see that again yeah, that's true. In the in the whole movie. And so I, I think there's ways and there's mechanisms to get right. around this. And I want to get back to the Marvels here because we have gone on a little sure. uh, nerd room tangent. But I it's something that I would love to discuss with you guys more because I'm finding myself more and more opposed to the idea that it's too much. It's too much homework sure. and all that because I think there's great examples of, of this working. And the other thing too is, and I, I put this on Twitter, there's, I think a lot of people just outgrown the MCU. Mm. And, you know, this has been a franchise that, like, you know, if you were 15 when this started, this franchise, you, you're you now into your 30s. You know what I mean? Like, you're a completely different human being. Like, I was in my 20s when this started, and I'm not anymore. <laughs> I had just graduated grade school by the time. Well, there you go. There you go. And you're a full grown-ass <laughs> man with a job and everything now. So it's like, you're like grade nine when this started or whatever <laughs> like i think you're a different human i had your longer expectations. hair when the first iron man came out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your expectations your your taste what you love yeah it all changes and anyways that's another podcast that we'll get yeah. into in the future let's get back to the marvels and because tim's getting a little wound up here <laughs> holy moly but let's talk about the villain here man yeah this is i think agreeably probably the weakest point of the film but as I said at the start, I think a necessary evil. You need something here. And the problem with this runtime is if you try to give the villain too, too, too much more time, you start to detract away from your ensemble, which you're trying to give them as much screen time as possible. So she's a bad dude. She's a Cree, which we know from before. She's got the hammer mm-hmm. that Ronan had, and she's trying to save her planet from climate change. That I, so I'm glad that you you were able to explain the plot better, better than I could because <laughs> no. um, actually spoiler addicts we didn't know that she's actually dating Loki himself in real life. Yeah. So yeah, it was the, and they they're the movie and the show. Wow. Like the f- season finale and the movie debuted on the same day. Look at that. You know, I think they're actually married. Are they married? I I, I thought for sure they were they were either like partners or if they were married. But hey, good for both of them. I I hope they're happy. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. For me, the, the villain is unfortunately the, the weakest part of the movie. 
Um, but as I kind of said, I think initially when you asked me what my general thoughts were, um, I think it's an ongoing issue that we seem to have versus, mm-hmm. you know, I'm somebody that it feels like lately we've had like a lot of older villains, you know, like a lot of villains that are used for star power, but they're just not as interesting. Like they just don't, in, they don't, they don't initiate that same enthusiasm and charisma to be a bad villain per se, mm-hmm. or to be a bad guy. Um, I say as they once used to. So in this case, it's, it's a young, I'd say she's an attractive, you know, you know, lady that can kind of, you know, initiate some sort of uh, expression out of you, whether, you know, she's doing a good job at her job or not. Um, but it's unfortunate that she's just underwritten and she kind of has a plot that as an audience member, you just don't care, which is unfortunate because it feels like yeah. if you're sitting watching this movie, you're not watching this movie to see, you know, a villain like you were saying Guardians 3 where the high evolutionary was so menacing that you almost wanted mm-hmm. to see more of that villain just because they were so so good at what they were doing whereas in this case it's like i don't think the plot does her justice i don't think she really has the best material to work with it seems like she kind of has like those one-liners those one note uh sort of way of going going about things as you said too which i think is probably the best way to describe it is she's just she's there to get defeated and she's there to set up the next thing which yeah is a lot of what the earlier mcu was essentially i mean not every villain in those early phases of marvel uh, was a well, dark call, elves you know? like all that yeah. like some of the iron man stuff like <laughs> yeah it, it's they're, they're sometimes just there right to 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 oppose the heroes which is a comic story. book <laughs> yeah ex- well that's exactly it you yeah. have random stuff being tossed <laughs> in there and it's more about putting focus and then you get some real standouts like your thanoses and your killmongers and all that yeah and your high evolutionaries so it, it kind of goes a bit both ways but it's i think i I really look at this and say, yeah, you could have done a lot more. And it's a pretty short movie. And yeah. I would say, I think it's the shortest actually. Yeah. I I think there's probably a good chunk of the villain and Captain Marvel story on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Because that felt, that was part that felt very rushed to me. It was like mm-hmm. when they started calling her the annihilator and then all of a sudden yeah. they kind of, there was something and the, you know, Camilla Kong called it out and mm-hmm. there's something missing there and i think it it does go back to captain marvel and all of that but i just there's not enough time given to that piece to make you care enough about mm-hmm. it right it kind of puts captain marvel in the bit of a hot seat but not for long enough and not for enough that you actually care about you know what's going on in hala and there's just you almost needed another five or six minutes mm-hmm. contextualizing what's going on in hala why it's happening and and bring that plot back around because like i think you and again this goes back maybe it's a bit of my opposing my argument that there's not enough work done there without sitting and maybe watching captain marvel Mm -hmm. to fully get that piece of it so that that i would say is a problem so answer me this too about the the villain is she meant to be blind at the start like did you i i I got the sense that she was because it was. I was just kind of watching they, the way her head was, yeah. and the way she, the guy was putting things on her, and and it wasn't until she put the cuff on and her eyes lit up. I was gonna say, well, her eyes are always purple around. from the beginning. I don't know if they, if it, her eyes look like blue or purple, because obviously if you're blind, you know, stigmatism, things like that. You know, your eyes look different um, mm-hmm. by default. I mean, it, I think it would have added a more interesting element if if she was, and the fact that you know maybe Captain Marvel had done something in order to cause that. Um, yeah. That could have been really interesting, but 
Then you're right. You know, then they do the thing where it's almost like she was in like that green outfit that Captain Marvel had yeah. in, the, in the first movie. So I'm like, were they trying to set up that at one point she was like a Captain Marvel? Well, I think she you was know? part of like the the Kree army, okay. right? Because you had like no. that that team. I can't remember yeah. the team. That, that would have been a little. That would have been something way more interesting for me. Is that if they were like at one point she was like a Captain Marvel, and then Brie Larson came along and kind of, you know, then you could well, do it's, like there was part know. of that that Kree team right. that they had, you know? and like I'm assuming so she was like something corrupted her or something like that, and then yeah. you kind of have something to work with, you know, a little bit. But they play with that a little bit where they say basically like it was Captain Marvel's actions yeah. that corrupted her mm-hmm. that eventually she blames for leading to the civil war because of the destruction of the AI. Yeah. And then it, that led to them depleting all their resources. And that's really what she's chasing is atmosphere and water and all these type of things. And, yeah. And this name, the Annihilator, like there's 10 minutes of the movie of all of that that I think is missing yeah, from this. Like that it's just you kind of jump around very quickly and all that. Mm-hmm. And there's something like I, I it'd be interesting to hear what other people think, but I would swear the first part of this movie that she, the main villain here, she's, she's blind and they really don't yeah. explain it because her, her, after she puts the gauntlet on her motions and what she's doing dramatically changes. Like I might have to go back and rewatch it. Maybe I would change my Unless mind. The gauntlet made her blind and she needed the other half to sort of, well, I think it was the other way around. The gauntlet oh, made her see. The gauntlet made her see. Yeah. That was that was the way I kind of read okay. the character. Because unless it was just very stiff at the start, but there's like a lot of weird things that I was just like, when you look at her, like her head doesn't pivot too much. Mm. It's almost like she's just very focused. And then the dude puts on the gauntlet on her, I believe, and hands her stuff. Like the mm. guy that's kind of with her. So there's there's yeah. pieces of that story I think that's missing, mm. and I think that ultimately hinders the the villain development and and it does impact captain marvel's story too because i think there's a little bit more intimacy between those two that probably could have elevated i think captain marvel even more and like her life with regrets and then brought up this this villain as well but yeah it's kind of a a toss away villain of the week style of 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 portrayal in this one for me yeah i mean you know hey as as we've kind of seen what the what the past year trend has been is right is that every hero is as good as their villain right and then mm. you know every villain is as good as you know a prominent hero so i think that's i think what we're starting to starting to see now is that you know now we got to have it both ways like it can't just be one way or the other right where it's like you know there's earlier phases of marvel you know the heroes were so strong and you wanted to root for them that it almost didn't matter if you know uh say we were a, a hero was fighting a dark elf like it really just yeah. didn't matter because the hero was so strong and so prominent right so whereas now we're like almost a decade later like now it's like both things have to kind of coexist like you have to have a strong hero that people like and you have to have a strong enough villain that could at least give the hero somewhat of a threat you know mm-hmm. and maybe you know and again and this is also something that's me actually found it refreshing that this wasn't really a world ending threat that we've kind of grow to see a little bit it's kind of like in the context of its own thing. It's like a self-contained entry. I were like, maybe the whole universe isn't, isn't ending. I mean, I know time and space is, you know, there's trying to be a hole within the time and space. Maybe <laughs> that is a little bit world ending, but you know, it's not like the whole world really isn't seen, you know, that's being factored into it. Right. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what was refreshing in a sense too, that it's almost like mm-hmm. the aftermath of this movie would have paid off somewhere down the line, but like, you know, all of New York city wasn't getting obliterated. I yeah, mean, planets yeah. were, but you know, which is unfortunate. But 
again, if you've been seeing Loki, you know, that's nothing new. So no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wonder, like, I think it would be fascinating for one of these movies to do. And this movie, you probably could have done it with some clever writing is do a movie without a, a true villain, like a focal point villain. Mm-hmm. Like just like there's the terrors opening in space and time yeah. or whatever it was like all of it happening, but not directly related to someone. And they're going around and saving people mm-hmm. and then running into certain things that they have to fight and like, just not having a villain. Like, I, I, like, is that mm-hmm. possible inside of this? Do you necessarily need someone that opposes them? Cause it's like, yes, you do need that fight, but you can, you can do that other ways. Mm-hmm. I think with the three of them, you can, you can power set something up and, mm-hmm. I think it is doable. It'd be an interesting take, I think, is extracting the villain or the need for a very powerful and prominent villain from these movies and seeing what happens. Like, I'd be really interested in that. So I think Loki season two kind of justifies what you just said, too. I mean, like, it does, sure, it, it's it's almost exactly that. You know, like, it's Kang's like, sort of, like, in the episode, but he's not, like, Loki doesn't have no a villain. Pawn. Yeah, no You're villain. right. Yeah, so. There's no villain in that, like, I guess it's time? <laughs> is, time is, is, is the villain. antagonist like <laughs> inside of that i that's exactly it man that's like nail on the head there yeah is that there's there's no villain and even like i guess like the tva kind of is in season one mm-hmm. um interesting we have yeah. to pull that thread down the road a yeah. little bit here <laughs> but one, one last thing i want to talk about before we before we sign off here is there's another kind of weird subplot that's going on here and it's the whole sword nick fury thing yeah. <laughs> go to this idea of you certainly didn't need to watch secret invasion to understand what fury was doing because <laughs> he was essentially picked up he went through a bunch of stuff and then put down in the exact same spot but it does continue the idea of like the cosmic piece of the mcu which i love the, mm-hmm. the cosmic end of the mcu is, is great for me probably could have done with it the cat stuff and all that like i don't think it added a whole bunch and fury on sword I think it was an interesting way to to bring in Kamala Khan's family and have them present because I think they were they were really great. I had fun mm-hmm. with them, them being kind of the the audiences like we don't know what's happening, what's happening here, mm-hmm. and then screaming like I I have fun with that stuff. I think the family was great inside of this. That's the family from Miss Marvel, the mother and father and brother. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that stuff. So how did you feel about the I guess what would be called like the periphery supporting cast? with Nick Fury, the family and all the stuff's happening on sword and goose. Like hmm. some of it I could give and take. I don't, I had fun with it. I think is kind of the bottom line mm-hmm. of it all. Yeah. You know, Nick Fury is like that interesting character where just when you feel like he's kind of hit the end of his tide a little bit, they still find a way to incorporate him in it. Like the larger mm-hmm. plot. And I'm sure that's exactly what they're going to do leading in the secret wars. And he's going to have that more prominent Nick Fury role that we kind of grow going to see and expect to but yeah this one like kind of takes a backseat a little bit you know he has some cool you know stuff on the crater so to speak i'm kind of with you on the cats thing a little bit that kind of did take me out just just a little bit like i kind of get what they were going for it was cool it added some cheesy element in the theater mm-hmm. get some laughs out of people i'm sure that's what uh the intention was for it, it's cool to see you know kamala khan's family in there too because i mean it's such a relatable real thing too i like you know like if a 16 year old was going around dressed up as a superhero i'm sure her parents would want to be as active yeah. as they could you know and that making sure that their, their daughter doesn't get killed um i think the brother needs to go a little bit though like like maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe brother can stay at home i think, think mom, mom and dad could go along for the trip but it's also cool to see them have a hand in it too right? like they're actually mm-hmm. helping like you know trying to save save everybody on the ship too that that's always cool 
Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's cool to see like everybody in the movie have a part. That's the one thing that I give it is that they do try to give everybody in the movie something to do. Maybe not all of it lands, but you know, you, you got to give credit where it's due. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I think it it worked. Like I said, it worked for me. Mm-hmm. The the fifty cats, eh? Like it, it was it was just yeah. a, a convenient plot device to kind of save people from from sword a bit and and provide a bit of stakes. I'd be terrified I guess. if that happened to me. <laughs> the, the, the dude's just being like, "All right, eat me up here, cat." Because I think it sends you to like a different dimension, maybe. Right. If I'm not mistaken. I can't remember. But man, what what a wild chunk! Like when you think all of that fits together. Yeah. But it and then sometimes it does make you question. You look at it, and you're like, okay, when it comes to the economics of the story, mm-hmm. there's a there's a lot in there, and there's a few pieces missing. So I would say that's kind of the the big thing for me is like there's there's definitely pieces missing and there's stuff in there that maybe you didn't need mm-hmm. or you could have done a slightly different way but all in all for me i i really enjoyed this and i think the the standout piece you know through this conversation that jumps out to me is how much this evolved the captain marvel character delivered by brie larson mm-hmm. i think this is a game changer movie for that character and I think when people discover this eventually on Disney Plus, because not a ton of people went and saw this, <laughs> I think people are gonna become, find themselves more endeared to all three of those characters. But I think if you struggled with Captain Marvel in the past, this yeah. movie might be the one that that helps you helps turn the tide on that character. I think mm-hmm. you know Brie Larson, I, I think is great and very a lot more dynamic in this movie yeah. than she has in previous outings. And the, the, the two other women in here are stellar. I can't, I, I honestly, when I left the movie, I was like, I'm pumped for the future of the Marvels mm-hmm. and I'm pumped for the future with the X-Men and what's next for the MCU. So uh, to me, it hit on, on all ends. Warts and all, I think this, this movie works and I think it's, it's worth watching theaters. Mm-hmm. My wife and I had a good time with this. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a cool watch in IMAX. Too. That, that's how I saw it too. If mm-hmm. you're going to spend the money, I would maybe go do it. Uh, for a premium format like that. Yeah, and I mean, the, the, the main thing that I was hoping for to walk away from this movie was that I actually liked and cared about Captain Marvel as a character because mm-hmm. I haven't liked her in any of her appearances leading up to this movie. So I went in a little bit a little bit vanilla, a little bit, but, you know, I was hoping that, you know, to be pleasantly surprised because I like Brie Larson as an actress. I know that she has an inner to pull off. just depends on the writing. Um, And, and thankfully, I did. Like, I, I would like to see her again in future Marvel installments, my only hesitancy is, is that, you know, I don't think Marvel really takes in box office into account the way, like, you know, DC does lately these days. Um, I just wondering if maybe it might be one of those too little, too late sort of things, which may be mm. unfortunate because she's at the place where I think all of us wanted her to be with from the get-go, which might yeah. be frustrating. So if they don't use her again and she's kind of at that hopeful stage where we wanted her to be like from the start, it might be a little frustrating. In terms of it, there there could be like still being untapped potential, yes. Um, which I think there there still could be. So you know maybe the next time we see her, she's in an Avengers led ensemble, and you know she's more prominent, which which is what the goal should be. Uh, so yeah, hopefully we see her again, and hopefully the material that she's given um is a lot better. And Kamala Khan, you got to buy through tuning MCU and Monica Rambeau's uh, teasing the X Men. So every mm-hmm. the future's bright. And th- this movie does a lot of work for characters and a lot of work for the future. We've got young Avengers tease. <laughs> We've got a kind of a secret wars, Deadpool, X-Men nod, whatever you want to call it in there. 
and uh, it, it it does the work here. I think it's probably when you look at the context of all the other MCU movies that have dropped in the past mm-hmm. couple of years, this movie I think does when it, when it comes to universe building, mm-hmm. I think it does the most work. I'm trying to think back here, and it probably does the best work for the MCU yeah. in, in 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 its whole with the Young Avengers tease, with this, with the Marvels, with each character growing quite a bit. I think it 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 pulls its weight for sure inside of the MCU. So there it is. There it is. There's our, our discussion on the Marvels. Now, Zeddy, why do you let people know where they can find you and some of your other podcasting work? Yeah, thanks for having me as always, brother. It was just great, great. Great, great to chat about some comic book movies. You know, I, I never mm-hmm. get tired of that, you know, whether or not no. they do good or not. I never get tired of it. Yeah, no, of course. I'm, I'm on uh, Twitter. I'm still going to call it Twitter. I know it's X, but I'm still going to call it Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I'm on Twitter and letterboxed at Nick Zendik. I, of course, uh, co-hosted Vigilante1939. Uh, that's a podcast that I do with my two childhood best friends. It's a DC Marvel Star Wars uh, leaning show and we, we, we try to keep it going weekly so uh make sure to give that a listen where we'll have our review on the marvels dropping soon but i think this is this is a good precursor it's a nice primer for everybody nice primer and it's a nice appetizer so to speak uh yeah so th- thank you so much again brother oh man it's, it's it's always a pleasure having you drop by the nerd room here and provide your your voice to to this this genres or these genres that we love and i will say you know, Zeddy's out there. He's grinding away watching a lot of movies. So I, I might watch yeah. 10, 12 movies a year. He, he's out here every week. So if you want to get your fill on what you should be watching, what he recommends, make sure to, to, to hit him up on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Nick Zednick. Get in there. And, of course, The Vigilante is a it's an appointment listening for me. It's a forever listen for me. I love these boys. And, right. you know, we've been doing – stuff forever together and i'm looking forward to you guys got episode 200 coming up here yeah in about a month's time and that's gonna be a big one that's a huge podcasting milestone so early congratulations on you guys or for you guys on that one thank you brother appreciate it i know you know what believe it or not we have wandavision and the mandalorian still to thank for this beautiful collaboration disney plus yes i think just yeah Early days of the pandemic, if you really want to see where it all happened, you can go back to our YouTube channels and you go way down into the the the, the library there. You can find some yeah. of our early stuff. We're providing very excited and isolated oh <laughs> hype and, and just joy over those TV shows. That's so, $12.99 paid off. It did. It surely did, man. That that first year was so cheap. No, I think I'm getting a bill here in a couple of weeks for like 115 bucks, 120 bucks. <laughs> so, anyways, guys, this is the Nerd Room Podcast. It's it's always a blast talking about the stuff. We're gonna be back in a couple of weeks with my boy Ian. We're gonna be talking some low key probably then, and every other little bits and pieces that are coming at us from the nerd world. So, with all that being said, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim, and I'm Zeddy. Thank you guys so much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net and The Nerd Room YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room.